Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I'm excited to talk about Lent today, and uh, you're going to hear from a couple of brilliant women. Um, A little bit later in the program, I'll be talking with Dana Trent, but we're going to start things off today by welcoming Tisha Oxenrider to Faith Conversations. Tisha is someone I've wanted to talk with for a number of years. I've seen her name here, there, and everywhere in the realm of publishing. And just, uh, I guess our lives have just not connected until now. Um, But Lent is the topic that we're going to talk about because she has a brand new book out called Bitter and Sweet. And I am specifically here today to encourage you to get a copy of either Tisha's book or Dana's book, get a copy of a good Lent resource that might be your companion through the season of Lent. So let me do a quick intro of Tish. She is uh, an author, best-selling author of several books. Um, You maybe are familiar with her Advent book, Shadow and Light, um, or At Home in the World, her memoir about her family's year traveling around the world and living out of backpacks. And I wish I had been tagging along on that. (laughs) Uh, She's a travel guide, a teacher, a podcaster, and she lives in Texas with her family. So Tish, welcome to Faith Conversations. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. Well, why Lent? Why? I know, yes, you did an Advent devotional. Maybe this was, you know, the next step. But yeah, why did you decide to write Bitter and Sweet? In some ways, it was exactly that. You know, um, I wrote the Advent book out of a a response to a need that I needed for my own family and I didn't find. I wanted something that was theologically meaty and rich, yet also short and accessible, very open and go, you know, to where if we missed three days, we weren't behind. And also I didn't want something so far to the other end that I needed to get, you know, craft sticks and cotton balls because (laughs) not crafty, but, um, so I wrote this book for my family. We ended up publishing it. And a lot of people appreciated it. And then I started hearing from those readers saying, so when are you going to do one for Lent? And Uh my initial thought was I wasn't going to do one about Lent, but then I kept hearing it again and again. Mm -hmm. And I started praying about it and I sensed God saying, yeah, I think this, this is a need. So that's where it came from. Well, let me say this here at the outset that generally, um, I, I don't, uh, talk to people who've done parenting books or talking you know, about young children, what I love about your book is that it, it's accessible to anyone on the Lenten journey, but tell us how old your kids are. My kids now I've got 11 through 17. So I'm kind of in that middle stage. You sure you know? are. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. And yes. I would say, <laughs> please correct me if I'm wrong and email me at producer at anitalustria.com. <laughs> but I'm guessing or what I know of my audience, it's, it's more, um, middle age and up. Mm-hmm. And so less with, um, children and maybe that's why we've not connected in the past. I don't know, but I am a big believer in having some kind of a companion to walk with us through these certain 
church seasons of the church calendar of which Advent and Lent are two of those. And so I would also like to hear a little bit about your own personal experience with Lent. Um, I have been in more liturgical churches for a bunch of years now, but I did not grow up that way. I grew up the daughter of a Baptist minister. So Lent was not necessarily part of my upbringing. What about you? Yeah, it wasn't part of mine either. I grew up, I mean, I jokingly call it a big Texas church now, but it was <laughs> non-denominational evangelical church that are on every corner in Texas. Um, and I had a great experience. I really did appreciate my Bible church upbringing. So not, no, you know, issues I had later in life. It was simply, you know, later my husband and I served overseas for quite some time cross-culturally. And it was in that uh, season where we really started asking, you know, what, is cultural Christianity, at least from an American point of view, right. and what is actually historic from the church. And that that led us to the liturgical calendar at large and Lent as part of that. And I just have to say nothing like being overseas for any length of time at all <laughs> to have you start asking these questions. Where were you and what were you doing when you were overseas? My husband and I met in Kosovo. We were both single missionaries there. And then wow. later we moved to Turkey. So we, wow. we, we did our early childhood years in Turkey with raised childhood, raised child raising, I should say. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> that's just so interesting to hear how, you know, how you came to be more aware of the church calendar. Uh, one of the things I learned reading your book and I, and I've been, um, engaged in this journey for some time. Uh, you talk about the fact that Lent has three traditional pillars, and I certainly knew about fasting and prayer. Uh, somewhere along the line, I missed that almsgiving was a part <laughs> of this. So talk about those pillars, because, um, yeah, I think, it, I think it would be helpful to hear about them rather than a mention, fasting, prayer, <laughs> almsgiving. Let's hear yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, I kind of think of it as three legs of a stool that if you've got them all evenly, then the stool is nice and sturdy. Um, but you're, you know, if you're forgetting one, it's a little bit wobbly. And so I think it's not so much, you know, nothing about Lent is a checklist, right? We right. don't even do Lent. We're invited yes. into Lent, but, um, the practices we do, um, embody are these, you know, this three, tandem pillars and we've got the fasting, we've got the prayer, but really when you think about it, especially, you know, when we see the liturgical calendar at whole fasting is always followed by feasting. We're not fasting for just no reason. Yeah. We're always fasting to make room for something else. And so to me, that's really the beauty of the, this trifecta, because when we fast from something, we're making room for something else. And I think part of that involves service. And so we are making room to be part of our community, be part of the work of Christ, the body of Christ. Um, you know, the, the practice of Lent reminds us how finite we are and how much we live in um, a world that is broken. Yes, but in the here and now present world, we're not just, you know, spiritual beings outside of bodies. And so when we add the giving that invites us to really have that fully fleshed experience. So we're not just like, you know, 
fasting from sugar, which is a common one. We're also giving, like, I, I appreciate it when I can think of ways to connect the dots. Like we're giving towards food insecurity in our community. Mm. Um, maybe even within our own property, we're giving by starting a vegetable garden. We're doing these practices that are sort of reminding us that we're not just fasting. We're also feasting on the goodness of Christ. So I love that. And I, I've had pastors in my past who have said, uh, talked about e either giving up or taking on. And really you're, you're talking a little bit of kind of about both. Mm -hmm. um, and this almsgiving, I'm curious what, what that has looked like in your family. I mean, you gave a couple of examples. What I mean is this, do you do something over the course of the entire Lent season of Lent or something different weekly? Or how, what has that looked like as far as how you've done it, I guess? I've done it differently over the years. So I don't have one solid practice. In fact, one of the things I mentioned in Bitter and Sweet is that ultimately this comes down to prayer and asking God yeah. um, what you're meant to participate in during the Lenten season. Um, sometimes I find if I choose to fast from one thing, I can accidentally make it about me or make it about, you know, like proving my metal. Um, yeah. so that when I get to Good. Easter, I I've like earned something yes. um, and that's not what it's about at all. Right. And so, um, yeah. sometimes I, I appreciate a variety of things as mm -hmm. well, but, um, I do always love having some sort of practice that as a mom, I can either, um, invite my family in or, you know, my community in, or, um, is just something that can have mul multiple facets too, like the example of the sugar and then also growing the garden. Um, you know, last year I did a buy nothing Lent. I, I oh. bought nothing except groceries and bills. Yeah. And what I found in the process was a whole new appreciation for, mm. um, the world, the immediate world around me so much more. And so I added a lot more like hiking and daily walks and, you know, just things that I surprised myself in doing. So a lot of, uh, Lent is waiting to just be surprised by God and finding out what he wants to teach you over these 40 days, instead of like, I'm going to come with this plan, you know? Yes. And I, I love that you just said that waiting to be surprised by God. I don't think we necessarily look at it like that. It's more, uh, so some might even say, oh, it's that season. It's the Lenten season. We're heading into the wilderness with Christ. We're, you know, uh, uh, it's something we have to do, as, as you mentioned just a few moments ago, as opposed to not something we do, something we're invited into. And so I, I appreciate that, um, that language, waiting for God to surprise us and, May that be the case. Maybe that's a new thought for you. And wouldn't that be lovely, you know, to have that happen over the course of this Lenten season? Um, I, I also, I do like talking about some of those giving up things because sometimes we can lack imagination and struggle with that. We all know, right? We all know, uh, when, or, or rather I should say, whenever we ask somebody, what have you given up in the past? Well, what do we immediately get? Chocolate or sugar, right? You've already mentioned sugar. Chocolate's the one that always pops into my mind that people have said, but we can think, I, I believe in you folks, we can think beyond just the uh, food space. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but t talk a little bit about that and how you've been creative in the past or things that you've been thinking about. 
Well, if you think about it, what we're doing with Lent is often fasting from something that's not necessarily bad, right? Um, there's nothing inherently wrong with chocolate. Um, what we're doing is asking God to um, meet us where we are as we practice a temporary letting go of that thing so that we can depend on God more. And what that ends up leading to is revealing some sin in our lives or, or some form of shortcoming where we realize how much we, we need God in the here and now. And so I say all that to say um, that can look like anything. And it and I think sometimes we think of what are the things I want to get rid of? You know, I want to just stop my Netflix habit or something like that. But really, it's not so much about a diet or a, a self-improvement plan. That, that might be a nice byproduct, but that's not the point. And so I find praying and asking God to show what are just some things that have a unique grip on my life these days, or, um, you know, just something that I'm particularly drawn to. And that tends to be in the category of, uh, sustenance substances and practices. And, you know, those categories don't really matter, but sustenances, we, we obviously think of the food, like you mentioned substances. A lot of times it's like just tech devices. We're very digital. Perhaps we need to let go of some of that during Lent. Um, some social media, some particular app, some particular, um, tech device or a show. Maybe, um, I know of some people who've fasted from like their mirror or makeup because they were very focused on appearances. And that was an experience for them. Practices are those habits that we have just let into our lives without us being aware. So, you know, perhaps fasting from sleeping in or um, like my buy nothing, you know, buying anything yeah, beyond like, necessities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, even something that's a little unorthodox, like fasting from waiting for the closest parking spot, you know, perhaps mm. you intentionally park the farthest away and walk. Um, so there's all sorts of, of ways you can get creative here. I honestly, I, I really like that. Uh, I, and I, I kind of needed some of those creative thoughts myself. This wasn't just for people listening, for sure. <laughs> um, I, I love that thought about, um, you know, maybe it's just one, one uh, specific social media outlet uh, that really has a grip on you. I'm not naming any names, uh, like Anita, <laughs> um, uh, Instagram. Uh, okay. Uh, so I think it's really helpful to, to get specific and to really pay attention, pay attention is the word, right? Pay attention to your life and where God might want to, um, make life more spacious. Like as I consider giving up something, that's what I think about is how much more spacious life would be. And it's not always a time spaciousness. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about, though. It could end up being that, but opening up space really for, um, God to speak, God to work, God to move, uh, whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And that's part of the surprise of Lent, I find, yeah. you know, if we open ourselves up to being surprised by God, I think what we find is we start off gung-ho with these ideas of what might happen. Um, if people are like me by like week three, you know, Lent is long, you're feeling a bit like, okay, that was great. <laughs> Time to move on. <laughs> but that's really when God can meet us where we are and, and remind us. I mean, and here's the thing, the spoiler alert to Lent is you are going to mess up, right? Yeah. I mean, you, right. 
no one does Lent perfectly. And, right. and that's kind of the point. You're not really supposed to do right. Lent. Um, but if we open ourselves up to being aware of our weaknesses and asking God to do something with that, I think there's nothing but surprise that can happen. You know, if we're willing, yeah. if we're willing yes. to go there. I yeah. agree. Hey, um, let folks know what the format is like, you know, each, uh, Lenten devotional is just a little bit different. What, how is yours structured? It is a daily reading that you can just open and go. So it's not a, you know, ongoing story or whatever that builds. Um, each day has a short, uh, thought by me followed by a part of scripture to read a question to ask. And you can either ask that communally, you know, among your spouse or friends, or even just journal, um, a prayer. Most of them are old, um, a song to listen to. So it's got an accompanying playlist. And then once a week, there's some art to reflect on. Oh. And what I tell people to do, because that sounds like a lot is, um, pick two, Great. pick two, oh. if you feel overwhelmed by that, or if you feel like it's busy, a busy season, you know, just listen to the music and read the scripture or some form of that, and then add as you need to. Um, the other structure I have is the, um, the topic involves the seven historic cardinal virtues, I mean, vices and their corresponding virtues. And I, I went there because I find that's what most of our Lenten fast focus on, or everything could be categorized in some form of that gluttony or sloth or, right. or pride. Um, and, you know, our medieval brothers and sisters really did us a favor by categorizing most of what we struggle with in the, in the way. And so might as well go with what's already been time tested. Um, so vices and virtues, is that why bitter and sweet? Is that the, why the title or? Yep. Part of that there's also, so it's partly that it's also partly because if you think of Lent as a journey from Ash Wednesday to Easter, that Ash Wednesday, what we're saying here, you know, is when they put the ashes on your forehead you're told, you know, from dust, you came into dust, you shall return, which is a poetic way of saying, don't forget, you're going to die one day. Yes. <laughs> and Easter, what it says, if you think about it, the audacity of Easter says, remember that death, it's lost its sting. So yeah, there is physical death, but there's new life in Christ. And so it's almost the, the bookends are saying the opposite. So we're walking from one to the other. And so we're yeah. experiencing the bitterness of sin here on earth or just our frail bodies, yeah. but there is a sweetness to come. I love that. And I, I have to say, I love that you suggest a song every mm -hmm. day that um, we can look up and listen to and the art piece of art weekly. Mm -hmm. I love that. So big fan, big fan of that. Yeah. Um, one of the things I appreciate as well, and I was telling you this actually before we hit record that, that I have a Catholic following here on um, the podcast and um, you know, that, uh, I mean, Catholics have observed Lent for centuries, right? This is nothing new to our Catholic brothers and sisters. Uh, will they resonate with what uh, is written in these pages? Absolutely. I wrote it both for the people that, you know, this will be their first Lent all the way to their, it's so familiar. It's in the water to them. Yes. I think one thing that's helpful to remember um, that we often forget sometimes is that Lent is for all of us. You know, Lent is actually from what we can tell from documents, Lent is older than the Bible, like the canon of scripture is what I mean. You know, if that's if, so interesting, I forgot to ask you that at the very mm -hmm. beginning, because one of the things I love is that you have a brief history of Lent at the front mm -hmm. end. You have several really nice sections before the, the actual devotional part begins. So I like that and want to commend yeah. to people, but no kidding. I don't think I realized it was that old. 
Yeah, we have uh, we have some records of the uh, churches talking about their Lenten plans in like the 150s, and we didn't decide the canon of scripture till you know the almost the fourth century. And so, um, yeah, it it it, we know that it's been a practice for a very very long time. Nice, love it. Yeah. Um, What do you hope when someone grabs your your specifically your Lenten devotional? What do you hope they um, walk away with? Well, it's kind of come full circle to what we've already been talking about, but I love it. I hope that God surprises them. And I say that both because I, I know from experience that God will use your fasting and your giving and your prayer in a way that surprises you. But I hope even for those who have never practiced Lent before, all the way to those who've done it since they were a baby, that God would surprise them in a unique way, whether that's the beauty of Lent altogether, or, you know, something that had maybe become a ritual or drudgery that maybe God dusts off and provides new life into this practice. Love it. Such a treat to have you here today on the podcast, Tish Oxenreiter, author of Bitter and Sweet. Um, Everything about Tish, a link to the book and her website and social media places where you can find her will all be in the show notes. So just know that. So Tish, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. And everyone just uh, hang on because I'm going to move right into my conversation with Dana Trent and talk with her about gifts of the spiritual wilderness. It is so good to continue our conversation and to continue that conversation specifically with Dana Trent. Uh, I have been excited uh, to connect with her actually for quite a while now. I became acquainted with her through a book called Dessert First. And I'm trying to think probably other books too. Um, but at any rate, out came a Lenten devotional. And that got me very excited because it is a season of the church calendar that um, I'm very intentional about and love talking about and participating in. And I always like to give uh, anyone listening a heads up on some really good Lenten resources that are uh, available. And that's exactly why Dana is part of today's podcast. So Dana, welcome to Faith Conversations. Thank you so much, Anita. Anita, it's wonderful to be here. Well, it's great to have you and um, to talk about Lent. Uh, I'm a connoisseur of Lent devotionals. I know a good one when I see it. Yours is one. <laughs> so, you. Uh, but before we dive in, um, we've talked a little bit to Tish Oxenrider, but before we dive in uh, and, and talk about your devotional specifically, um, I want to talk about your bio. It's, it's so interesting. And I think it's also um, interesting to me what people like to highlight. It's one thing just to read a bio that's on the back of a book. And there are all kinds of things that are listed here, one of which, I, well, many of which I think are important, but you are currently uh, a professor of world religions and critical thinking at Wake Tech Community College. And I'm going to make sure that's right because, uh, you know, what's printed on the back of a book is not always right. I've also learned that. And an ordained (laughs) Baptist minister and former hospital chaplain. But what's important to you when someone says, what's what's on your bio, Dana? What's important to you to mention? Mm, Holding space at the intersection of faith and crisis. That that is... (laughs) That is my jam. That is my space. <laughs> I love that holding space at the intersection of faith and crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, you've launched me in. Um, I, why 
that. I, how did that come to be important to you? Obviously, uh, you've been at the, that intersection before. That's probably why that became important. Say a little more about it. I have lived in the unlikely spaces, which you have too, Anita, this very eclectic journey. And that's the space where I feel comfortable. That's the space where hard conversations happen. Mm -hmm. That's the space where controversial conversations happen. And that is the space from which, you know, gifts of the spiritual wilderness was birthed from a pandemic space, which we're all still in. Yes. Oh man. I wondered, you know, um, I, I never, assume that, um, a book that I'm holding in my hand was written over the course of, of the past year. Usually that's the case, but sometimes I'll talk to someone who's, you know, resource has been out in the world for a long time, but, but I, I, I did assume that this Lenten devotional as it's new, um, was birthed in the space of the pandemic, but I hadn't really given a lot of thought to what that meant to the content mm-hmm. that, that is in between, um, the front and the back cover of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also really want to know before we, you know, dig in a little bit more to what's in the pages of, um, of gifts of the spiritual wilderness. And I'm, that might be the first time I've mentioned the title. Let me say it again. Gifts of the Spiritual Wilderness, a Lenten devotional by Dana Trent. Uh, all the information will be in the show notes, but um, you, this is not the first book you've written. You, you've been a writer for a little while now. And w- what moved you into that space? Mm. You know, I think living at the intersection of faith and crisis most of my life, growing up as a faithful Christian, but having two parents who were severely um, struggled severely with mental health and mental illness, as well as substance abuse. Mm-hmm. I was a child of divorce. I was a child of trauma. And so I just, I, I carried with me a suitcase full of adverse childhood experiences. And my parents, you know, we got through, we got through and what helped us get through is our faith. Mm-hmm. And so keeping the faith amid crisis is a space that I am very comfortable in, whether it's the person who is having, um, you know, psychosis, whether it's the person who is depressed or anxious or at the deathbed or the person who's just received a cancer diagnosis, I feel most comfortable in those spaces, Anita. And that is the Lent space. Like that's, that's the wilderness right there. And so my writing is a form of my ministry as a Southern Baptist ordained female minister who also (laughs) teaches world religions. Like this writing, this journey of navigating these tough spaces and learning what the spiritual gifts and practices are in these spaces, that has been the precipitating, inciting incident that has kept me going, writing all of these books. I love that. And I'm still kind of reeling. I found out just before I hit the record button that you are an ordained Southern Baptist mm-hmm. um, female pastor. Yes. <laughs> and, and, that, and, and I was shocked because I didn't think that 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 uh, category existed within the Southern Baptist Church. And you informed me that not only does it, but you are one of how many? 
2,500 in the world. And that's wow. in the history of ordaining Southern Baptist women as clergy persons. But yes, we're a diminishing number um, and we're not a thriving group, but we're a mighty group. Um, <laughs> hey, and look, you're right. Can, can I ask a, a question a about that? Mm. Oh, yes. So, please. so yeah, you're not um, a diminishing number, et cetera. Number one, um, I'm guessing that congregations, there's autonomy, which I don't think I realized within the Southern Baptist Church. So that's part of how of how that or why this was able to happen, right? Correct. Local church autonomy, which is a hallmark of Baptist theology yes. and polity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which that's how much I knew. My dad was a, was a an American Baptist pastor, and yes. I knew that was true of American Baptists. But mm-hmm. I don't think I knew knew it was universally true of Baptists. Period. Right. Okay. Yes. And so, and, and Anita, you understand this history. I mean, this is a contentious history yes. of female leadership in the Baptist church, yes. and so you know very well the dynamics of all of this. Um, yes. It's complicated. Yes. 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 And I've I've talked with. Uh, Kristen Cobus Dume on this podcast. Mm, yes. <laughs> and of oh. course, yeah, I mean, say no more, right? Oh, right. Uh, um, I've not talked with Allison Barr, but that there'd be mm. more there. But mm-hmm. so, so I do want to ask a question about that number is diminishing. Mm-hmm. Um, is even though there's local church autonomy, um, was female ordination at one point more encouraged and now it no longer is? Or can you say a word about that? Um, I can. I can speak to my personal experience and sort of what I know from the scholarship of it. But, you know, somebody like Allison Barr um, and could speak tremendously to it. And that, that's a great opportunity for this podcast. And so to dig in deeper. But what I mean to say by all of this is that you know, circles like Southern Baptist Convention and evangelical conservative circles are doubling down on complementarianism. Um, I've written a lot about Beth Moore and complementarianism and theology. Mm. Um, And even Beth Moore, who initiated an apology needed to do some backtracking. So it's just an idea of people are holding tight and fast to maybe even an inch of progressive polity um, that they once had. And they're doubling down instead on more conservative, you know, fundamentalist, traditional values and church polity. And, you know, I think what came to my mind, even as I heard you say that was when God is in the space, Mm. don't we need to be opening up and become more expansive as opposed to doubling down and tightening up? Absolutely. (sighs) That's yeah. And that's what Lent is about too. Lent Lent is about, yes, it's the internal journey, but it's opening up to the invitations that God has for us and the many different forms in which that comes. Mm. Mm -hmm. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) Go right ahead. So, you know, as you're writing a Lenten devotional, I'm sure you um, could choose what angle you wanted to take. Um, but, but you titled this gifts of the spiritual wilderness, mm. you know, why, why wilderness? I mean, why you, cause you could have gone a few different directions, but you chose wilderness, this dry, thirsty kind of space. Mm-hmm. And it's a wild space. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I love most about it. It's a, you know, unexpected things happen. And when you had um, Suzanne Stabile on the podcast, she talked a lot about liminal space 
and how liminal space is the teachable space. Mm. And to me, that just, that struck a chord with, with me. Um, the wilderness is a teachable space because in some ways we are, we are desperate. We are thirsty. We are hungry. We are lonely. Um, we are fasting mm. from, you know, that which we know to be true and that which we don't even realize we're fasting from. And so it's a wild space where anything can happen, but it's the already and the not yet, you know, mm. it's that threshold liminal space of, we haven't made it to the water. Um, and we are struggling with how we're going to get there, but teachable moments happen in that liminal space. Yeah. Isn't that true? When, yeah, when we, when we don't have full access to things that might, um, plump us up and keep us healthy. Mm. Yes. <laughs> uh, it, it's a, it's a vulnerable space. I guess that's, um, a good word for it too. Yes. Um, so you talk about, well, let, let me ask you what, what, what your format is. Are you, mm. Uh, giving daily entries for us to look at and sit with. Uh, how do how do you format your Lenten devotional? So as a teacher, I'm always keen to keep things organized, and they look much like a lesson plan. And so I, I took you know the Lenten season, I divided it into its traditional five to six weeks, and then each week has a theme, and then the daily themes. But what I added that maybe folks don't necessarily encounter in other companion literature for Lent is spiritual practice. I love because. That. Oh, just like you were talking about that, which plumps us up, you know, and, and, and often distracts us from a spirituality. You know, I went into this, you know, coming into the pandemic space from the quote unquote traditional space and thinking about the, the, the Satans of our world. And I don't mean that in a personified sense. I mean that in a virtues and vices emphasis yeah. on the vices sense. So the idea is that Satan, the adversary is the stuff, the stuff that we think is plumping us up, our ego, oppression, our apathy, our addiction to technology and all kinds of things. But that's not the real stuff. You know, that's not what helps us go deeper in our relationship with God. And so spiritual practices are how we get to the root, the core of um, growing our, our relationship with God and our intimacy with God. I love that. Um, I love the, the daily entries and the, the practice. That's a big thing for me. I, I personally really appreciate that. Um, and also I'm a, I guess I, I love written prayers. So oh, I'm, yes. I also equally love that you end with a written prayer. That's mm -hmm. something I use with spiritual direction clients all the time, um, written prayers or poems. And so I really appreciate that. Uh, let, let's dig in for for a few moments to something that you talk about in the introduction to the book, mm -hmm. uh, some, some helpful questions for us to consider as we move forward into this Lenten experience uh, and, you know, highlight or, or raise a couple of them that you think are, are most helpful. Mm -hmm. So the biblical retreat, the idea that, you know, anchoring our daily practice of Lent in a biblical scripture, which, you know, as hailing from Baptist circles, as you do, Anita, you know that this is the crux of, of our faith, of course, but that Baptists in particular have a particular emphasis on biblical texts. And so for me, um, it was a 
rediscovery of my um, favorite Bible verses, but also the most challenging Bible verses that I needed to dig into, particularly those in the Old Testament. And so you'll notice that there's a lot of Ecclesiastes, there's a lot of Lamentations, there's a lot of challenging Psalms. And it's this idea that, you know, we have a guidebook, we have been gifted um, with this beautiful text that is an invitation to help us wrestle with faith, keeping the faith amid crisis. And so why not go back and look at these texts and consider the ways in which Jesus, as a Jewish student of scripture, also anchored his life and faith and teaching and ministry in these texts. So that for me was an important starting point. One of the things that, yeah, I appreciate that, number one, but I, one of the things also that you talk about um, and, and ask us to, to consider um, as we begin this journey is paying attention to um, even what might be going on in our lives as we ramp up into Lent. Um, maybe a, a season of spiritual drought what might, um, what might that look like or, or what kind of a, um, what kind of scenario will that actually create mm -hmm. so that we might have a more meaningful Lenten experience? And one of your questions is how do fasting sacrifice and temptation look like in our contemporary daily lives, mm. which I, I really like because I think it's, easy for us to talk about those maybe more in scriptural context, but not take, pluck it out and look at it overlaid on our current lives. Mm. And I mean, I feel like you have asked us to um, step, you know, kind of step aside mm. into a, which is exactly what happens, I guess, into a whole new season and spend intentional time on, on a daily basis. But I, I mean, I guess I just want to emphasize that. I think that there's something about this season every year that captures me in a new way. I somehow, I think I do enter Lent almost every year in a space of drought, actually. Mm. And there's something about this season, this of the church calendar that brings me back what, what is it? Um, maybe it's just the intentionality. I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but mm. it's in you my know, life. <laughs> oh, I think that's, you're exactly right. And that it's, it's what, you know, if, if you're familiar at all with, with the program of AA, it's, it's the step four of mm -hmm. AA. It's a fearless inventory mm -hmm. and we don't get to do the fearless inventory in many circles and aspects of our life. And so this book um, helps people reinvent Lent to um, consider it as a companion for doing that fearless inventory, um, all while using scripture, theology, some Aquinas, some Ignatian spirituality, obviously some biblical texts in order to examine, examine what, what is it that we are wrestling with and what is it that our droughts are teaching us? You know, um, I'm, again, I, I do a program like this each year on the podcast because I want to um, lift up to the audience a couple of really good resources. 
yours is one of them. That's why we're talking today. Gifts of the spiritual wilderness, a Lenten devotional. Uh, What's your hope that um, will happen in the lives of people who pick this one up this year and walk through it? Mm. My hope is that they will rediscover um, the many, many gifts of both our droughts and the wilderness, but most importantly, what it means to make sacrifices in 2022 amid an ongoing global pandemic that requires us to, you know, fiercely examine our lives, especially as people of faith. And so my hope is that this book will lead to a more profound and meaningful Easter. That's my true hope. I love that. And I wish that for you, you've written this devotional. Uh, I don't know whether you can go through your own material during Lent or someone else's, but I wish those same things for you during this Lenten season. Um, It's really been a joy to have you with me here on Faith Conversations. Dana, thank you so much. Thank you, Anita. It was an honor to be here. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. And just a reminder, Gifts of the Spiritual Wilderness, a Lenten devotional, all the information will be in the show notes. Dana Trent, my guest today. And as always, I say, keep the conversation going.